0: Welcome to Hort Culture, where a group of extension professionals and plant people talk about the business, production, and joy of planting seeds and helping them grow. Join us as we explore the culture of horticulture. All right, well, we usually start this podcast out with a question, but instead I'm going to brag, so deal with it. Cool. Cool. Um, That's pretty much where we're at. Are you bragging
1: on (laughs) yourself or what's going on here?
0: I mean, I I guess I'm kind of bragging on all of us. I just happen to be the recipient of the information, Mm. but...
1: Nice. We'll accept that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I was stopped. I was at the Organic Association of Kentucky's uh, annual conference this past uh, week, and I was stopped because somebody heard my voice and they said, Alexis? And I was like, I don't know you. (laughs) And they were like are you alexis a podcast alexis and i was like yeah and i felt super cool and they uh were so excited and told me how much they loved uh the podcast so shout out to those people two of them actually so it's really a brag on all of us i just happen to be the the voice involved at that (laughs) maybe we should
2: rename it podcast alexis (laughs) just podcast alexis show (laughs)
1: At some point, we need to add the video content on our YouTube channel so that people don't have to ask; they'll just know and say, "Hey, Alexis," instead of "Hey, are you the podcast Alexis?" I,
0: I mean, I don't know. That's how you get—that's how you get like, kidnapped. I think.
1: Is
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're
0: definitely
1: people don't right want to be in. taken. I don't want to be taken. If it takes <laughs> me away from taken. my responsibilities, I may be up for it. I'm just. Saying. Was any
0: other any other person's parent like that crazy one who was like, "You cannot have your name on your backpack because someone will steal you."
3: Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> they know but anyways, name. Oh, and by the way, we have a guest
0: on today. Uh, <laughs> so Emily oh, yeah. is on with us again uh, from the Center for Crop Diversification because we're talking about CSAs today. And uh, as an avid CSA lover, I'm very excited about that. So if you don't know what CSAs are or you want to know more about what they are, this is a great episode for you. Also, don't get kidnapped. So that's uh, my plan.
2: <laughs> Important safety tip.
0: Important safety tip, don't get kidnapped. Uh, but anyways, welcome to the Hort Culture Podcast and welcome, Emily. We're so glad to have you. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, you all. I'm happy
4: to be here. We're happy you've not been kidnapped. <laughs> oh, me too. Okay. How's
3: the weather where you are?
4: Where are actually you? actually sunny for once.
3: Mm-hmm. Actually sunny, nice. yeah. We're in the same. We're in the same city, but I was gonna say I was know, like, are
0: you all in <laughs> the same? In and we yeah.
1: all know Brad is in a microclimate, and he can grow certain flowers that Alexis is jealous of. Not yeah. to bring up old business, sorry, it's Alexis.
0: Not that I can't grow them. Okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, yeah, stars no, it's, not, it's, well. it's not well.
0: It is that you oh, all have them oh, okay. for me. I see. Don't it's be- a Tommy,
1: not a quality thing, Brad.
3: Ray, Ray Ray said it, not me. That's true. <laughs>
1: Anyway. Well, I always have to start stuff. Yeah. So CSAs. What the heck is a CSA? Not everyone listening today may be familiar with that term. So what's everybody's definition? Because I know that the definition can be really specific, depending on where you're at and what you're doing, or it can be a little bit more broad. So what is a CSA? I know that's yeah. what
0: we're talking about Who today. To Who is it? Emily? Hi, Emily. How do you define CSA?
4: Yeah, I'll go. I always, like when I'm explaining to someone who has no idea what it is, which happens kind of frequently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, like there's like the very traditional um, idea of what a CSA is and CSA stands for, there's like a couple of different ways people explain it, but community shared agriculture, or community supported agriculture. And essentially what it is, is Kind of the uh, customer sharing the risk of the farm with the farmer by buying, you know, a subscription to the farm's produce or products, whatever it is they're selling, up upfront uh, at the beginning of the season. You know, which is really cool for farmers. They know exactly how much money they're going to get throughout the season instead of kind of the week to week, you know, changes at the farmers market. Like let's say it's pouring down rain one day or something. You know, no one comes to the farmers market it just kind of mitigates that risk. Yeah. I I would say that's like the most traditional way to think about it.
0: Yeah. No, I I love it. I think you pointed out something that a lot of people forget about because usually when you're describing a CSA, like, you know, I just kind of say like, oh, it's like a subscription, like a weekly or a monthly or, you know, kind of whatever it is. And every farm's got a a sort of a different version of CSAs now. But what you pointed out is so important is that it's, that the customer, the client is in it with the farmer, right? So there's no guarantee that you're going to get tomatoes every week because the tomatoes might die. And that's like kind of part of it. You're going to get your money's worth, or at least the farmer usually tries, you know, maybe they have an off week. I know I've been a part of a CSA where they were like, hey, we had torrential flooding. And so we can't, we have nothing for you this week, but we're going to extend your season an additional week. So you always get what you pay for, but it's, you know, you might get a lot more yellow squash one week than you really <laughs> really thought you might. And so really mitigating that risk. And I think that's something a lot of people forget when they join a CSA. Uh, they think of it more like a subscription like Amazon might do, but that's not exactly. It's not good.
1: exactly guaranteed. Like the quantity of A, B, and C is not exact. You don't know that up front in a CSA typically, do you? Like you said, the variety may vary what you're getting, because I guess you are working with seasonal fresh stuff and you're working with things like, I don't know, the environment and weather and stuff. It's the environment, And, and the that's time. tough. <laughs> and I find that most CSA farms, they grow uh, like a lot of different things. So you may encounter stuff in your CSA share that week that you may not have encountered before because uh from my experience csa farms they do grow lots and lots of a uh, great variety of things and if one thing fails they usually plan on that by having something to substitute in uh so yeah it uh, you know you may get a surprise from week to week Welcome in certain cases
0: Robby that was
1: yep. like well, Rob, exactly like exactly too, that is it's a, that is, that is a good example yeah that's a common one so it's not like with a csa you can exactly pre-order an exact set amount of certain things typically that's not the case is it with the csa it's that you're buying a sh- we're, we're kind of you're paying forward into that farm a share into that farm so it's just whatever they and produce Fresh and locally, yeah, an investment. And, and it sounds like there's some benefits for, of course, consumers because you get a high quality, locally grown product. But the benefit for the farm would be what? Real question. Josh,
0: shared Josh risk. Have both the, risk. the, the right.
1: economist, right. I'm surprised the economists didn't jump all over that. The I would have said.
2: Economists. I would have said shared risk, and I like the way that you yeah. frame that ray of like an investment. Right? Is that the the grower? sells essentially a group of shares and takes that investment money to then grow the product. That is like like the most kind of abstracted definition because it doesn't just have to be vegetables, right? it can be yeah, that's a great it can point. be animal products it can be a lot of different things
1: eggs meat uh, flowers i mean i've no you know csas that are flowers i guess alexis isn't there so there's it's just not for traditional fruits and veggies yeah that's a great point josh that it could be a lot of different things and it must be nice i know one of the motivations for this happening this movement happening in the in the us it seemed like is that farmers you know it costs money to produce things and a lot of times you're making an investment up front that you're not going to get paid for up front. So Mm -hmm. this helps farmers because they get a revenue stream while they're producing a crop, and that's an awesome benefit. So benefit to both consumers and farmers, uh, it seems like. And that's one of the things that I like about this, and I know there's a certain amount of education involved in CSAs when you're working with people. Uh, Emily, you said there's two different ways, community-supported ag, and I I hadn't heard it as much, but you said community-shared Agriculture, which I I like that version, actually, because that's a good talking point to let people know, you know, exactly what they're, you know, buying into. So I really like the shared version of that. And I haven't heard that very often, community shared ag, because you're buying that shared. But that's an interesting take on that. So lots of benefits to consumers and the farmers. I like
0: it. Can everybody tell that Ray has had a lot of caffeine today? (laughs) (laughs) Because that was like a monologue of, you know, like, all great, all great, I'm not picking on you, but man, you just rolled through that, yeah. (laughs) As he drinks more coffee.
1: (laughs) Yes. This is not a good idea. I have not reached my peak yet, folks. I'm still (laughs) climbing. I'm still climbing. Yeah, but CSAs have always fascinated me because uh, of their benefits and all the complications complexities that can be i mean they can be as simple as you want them to be in essence or they can be um you know a bit more complex in the way that you kind of deliver uh, the csa
3: well i think you know one thing to note too that a, a lot of the description so far describes to me describes csa's many of them is still exist in that way but csa's as they particularly existed back maybe in the like late 90s and 2000s and um Back to the '80s in the United States, community-supported agriculture had many of the farms had a non-negotiable: you have to come out and work on the farm component right. that is all but all but vanished in the modern uh, yeah, landscape. Oh yeah,
0: and yeah, another component share. of it too
3: that that is yeah work work share, and then another component of it that's changed, and you we, we can debate good or bad. Uh, econ- consumer economists say good is that. <laughs> the you take what you get model has has mm-hmm. faded into the background in terms of at least a lot of the farms that we work with here in the state uh, i'll say from my own personal experience as a csa member for the last however many years there was a time back in the 20 probably 2010 mm-hmm. when it was a take what you get and my shares that I uh, shares that we have this past these past couple of years, there it's fully customizable within the range of options that they have available. And so, for instance, if I don't really like bell peppers, I can swap bell peppers for an extra pound of tomatoes within a oh. online system. And so the it, it is I, I think, and this is something maybe we can talk about as we, we bridge into uh, CSA week and other other phenomena. But and with with CSA. Shifting in that way, I think, to me, it's a sign of adaptations by producers mm-hmm. in order to capture a larger share of the market. Because the reality that we kind of know from the research that we've done is that dyed-in-the-wool CSA customers are a relatively small market segment.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: they're for weirdos like me and, and maybe some <laughs> like the case case. Right. People uh, who believe in the values of right sharing yeah. risk. <laughs> But that in order to, to get access to people who are used to being able to go to the grocery store and pick from several options, that has sprung up. And um, we've seen tremendous growth in CSAs in Kentucky over the last few years, interest in them, promotion of them. And there's some events coming up that i going to talk about uh, a little bit later. But that, that was just a little wrinkle in the CSA picture that and, and the other the other thing that's happened, too, along with the. the change in week to week choosing is people offering more and more short term mm-hmm. shares so you can mm-hmm. get a four week a yeah. week whereas sure. i'm used to 22 26 week is the the standard or whatever different size shares you can get an extra large if you like lots of vegetables if you're just a single person who's trying to mix it up you can get a small share and then things all the mm-hmm. way up It has it has radically changed. I was kind of shocked the first time I was able to customize a share, but as a consumer, I must say I kind of liked it because maybe I want a whole bunch of maybe I love bell peppers and I want to make uh, stuffed peppers for a party. I can get more of those in my share. (laughs) Um, So it is it is kind of this blended model now. It strikes
2: me as something that's more like like to me that is more of a subscription box than like what the CSA system sprung up.
3: Mm Ads originally, right?
2: Like, it's more of a, it's more like the Amazon model where it's like, Mm -hmm. I want a streaming service and I want to a la carte everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just, it's more focused
3: on this, the convenience of a subscription. And and before we move on, one more shout out of obscure, not necessary things to say for me, which is sort of my main contribution here. (laughs) I want to give a shout out to the cultural frames that supported this besides the US. So it sprung up primarily in like the North. The northern part of the United States with some people coming out of like Scandinavian traditions and Scandinavian heritage and like a certain cultural uh, appreciation for cooperation and, and shared mm. shared governance or something like that. And then there's also this whole parallel system. I think it's called teI T-E-I-K-E-I in Japan. Yeah. It is a very similar kind of ethos. And so we didn't invent this in America, but damn it. We like to say we did.
1: We'll take credit for it if it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, Brett. You mentioned, um, you know, some of the innovations going on with CSAs, and that's something I'm really interested in now. Is any component of a CSA that provides <clears throat> excuse me, uh, choice, uh, why is that springing up? Is it just because the online tools are getting easier and better? Or, I mean, I, I love the fact that, uh, you know, this component of where you can go on almost like Josh said, an online shopping experience, which is not what CSA started as. But I love that that innovation that CSAs are moving towards. Love that. But I wonder just what's driving that other than it's awesome.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have to talk on and on, but I think I think technology is a big part of the picture. And I think that expanding into other consumer Markets are making making CSA more palatable to more people because mm-hmm. most growers are looking to grow their shares. The turnover rate can be as high as 50 percent or more. In some cases, you get people who sign up for a year, realize it's not for them. So it means you're constantly needing to replace. And I think in that regard, you, you get out, you exhaust the, the, the true blue dyed in the wool as yeah. I said before, uh, CSA customers. And so how do we get access to more people or, or wean them on to the CSA model? Emily, you have any other thoughts about about that? Yeah,
4: I'm I'm curious actually. I have a question for you, Brett. As like a CSA customer, like if every week is customizable, like for you, what's the benefit of signing up for a CSA instead of going to the farmers market every week? You know, if it's essentially you're picking out your stuff every week.
3: Um, yeah. Well, there's a number of reasons. One is I do uh, I do on some level. Um, view it as a, a practice of some kind of values. I like the idea of getting the money out of my hands early when seed costs and fertilizer costs and equipment repair costs happen during that early window. Uh, I'll come back to to one major reason I've, the reason I've continued, but I think another another reason for me is it helps a little bit with choice paralysis because you're, it's, it's not like my basket is your basket come or your box, whatever comes pre-populated with stuff. And there's some weeks where I'm like, yeah, let's go for what they assigned. And other weeks I would swap things out. And so there is still a preformed share that you can adjust, which is much more helpful. And it pushes me to get things that I maybe wouldn't, wouldn't proactively get at a farmer's market. I think it encourages me to uh, spend a little bit more. Uh, money and get more. So I think I'm getting a better value relative to the farmer's market, and I'm getting, um, I'm putting my money where my mouth is to some extent and locking in that. Those are two big reasons. Uh, I like the idea of it's a three minute stop to pick something up versus a. Uh, yeah. I, I from as much as I support farmers markets and love the vibe. It's a big confession. I actually do not like going to farmers markets. I don't like that.
1: I cannot believe I
3: it. I don't, I don't, I don't another I don't big know, shopping guy. Know, breaking news Brett Wolf canceled from Hort Culture Podcast. <laughs> um, but the other reason is we have a at UK, we have this really nice voucher program which will our, our health and wellness people shout out Vanessa Oliver, Jody Ensman. Tim, Tim Woods, who's been on the podcast recently, a whole crew of them uh, and uh, Brooke at, at Oak and others have worked to put this voucher program, Katie at Oak. Now I'm thinking of all the people I didn't shout out who have worked <laughs> to put the voucher program together where, where I get. So like last year, let's say my share cost $750. I actually get a $200 voucher from our HR department because in theory, if I'm eating vegetables, I'm going to cost them less on medical bills and other things as well. <laughs> Uh, off of that, and so my out of pocket then becomes five hundred dollars or six hundred dollars or whatever the the balance is, and so that's another reason that has really uh, confirmed my desire to keep keep going with it. So those are those are my main my main reasons. But when I first started, I think it was because I thought I was cool. <laughs> well, in the health
2: savings, if they knew you were picking it up on a motorcycle with no helmet, they probably wouldn't give you
3: the discount. <laughs> They don't know what they don't know can't hurt them, you know?
4: Yeah, that's awesome. I know in the fall, we interviewed some people that participate in the UK CSA voucher program. And something that they talked about that I hadn't really thought about was like, it's this like really cool, kind of like forced opportunity to be creative with your food, you know, that we just like don't like, you know, I go to the grocery store, I get the same like 20 things every time Mm -hmm. I go essentially. Um, Cause I'm not like forced to like get out of my comfort zone at all. But like when you have the CSA, it's like a really cool opportunity to like, yeah, I don't know, just like get creative in the kitchen and like, maybe you find something you like that you've never tried, you know, which I, I really like right. thinking about it that way.
2: Yeah. Definitely. Uh, there's a lot of logic to that because like cooking is like a pretty creative process. Right. And it's kind of like the difference between like you, you looking at what paint you have versus going to the paint store and deciding what am I going to paint? Right, like with all the colors of the rainbow, or yeah, so I just have a handful of certain things. So, like, where does that lead me?
0: Just yeah, to, that's a really good point. Just to clarify, real quick, for those people who are like, "What are this UK voucher system?" and maybe to encourage them if they have an an employer who might be interested in this. So, uh, UK of course has a CSA from their uh, research farm, but they also support other local farms that do. I think it's like 20 weeks is the minimum, or 25 weeks is the minimum uh, CSA. And so, basically, uh, U- University of Kentucky gives employees a a voucher. It's a couple hundred dollars, right? Like it's been a it's been a few years since I've been a part of it, but for employees, sort of around the state now, they've grown it uh, to be able to uh, buy a CSA from one of the approved farms that they uh, are working with and. So it's really nice. And it's through kind of like our health insurance type uh, situation. And I know that there is some other organizations, employers who are looking at that as part of their health and wellness. So where you get there, benefits. There are
3: several others who have done yeah. it too. Uh, not just UK, but.
0: Just like, you know, just like they might give you a discount on a gym membership, right? Because in theory, it cuts down on, you know, you needing to go to the doctor and, and things. Same concept, healthy food, you know, is good for you makes you better all that jazz. So that's just kind of an update on that. I almost had a th- I had a thought and maybe it's too big of random thought to talk about today but you know we call CSA we say community shared agriculture or community supported agriculture and it almost feels like those might be one or the other these days like um, community shared maybe in my brain goes back to kind of the old older way where you get what you get and you're in it with that farmer, you know, for the long haul uh, you get, you know, and maybe you do some work on the farm as part of it versus community supported agriculture almost feels like a newer wave where there's more selection, uh, variety selection, things like that. So I, I wonder how that will change. Like as technology, will we use one term more than the other or, is that just too big of a silly idea that nobody actually will change? But they, <laughs> they seem different to me, right? Like they, this, and the yeah, way we sure. use that S seems very different.
2: Or it, will it transition fully into con- consumer-supported agriculture, mm-hmm. or it's just you know back to the old model of no risk shared?
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah, right.
3: It's yeah, it's definitely
2: changed over time.
3: If you're if you're asking about the power of semantics, you've come to the right place. Alexa. <laughs> I
0: figured I did. Semantics was the word I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> well, I
3: think I think for for me at least, you know, community supported agriculture to me was the the name that what, what when I started into it, and so it has that historical cachet. But the the difference between shared and supported mm-hmm. is kind of interesting and and important to discuss. And it, it there's a there's a part of me or a part of the argument that would say to call any of this community supported agriculture is a is a betrayal of the original term mm-hmm. um, in terms of True. like being on farm and getting involved and and um, there was a, a person at one of the CSA events that we had so that um, our, our group with that voucher program started this uh, CSA member ambassador program. Um, where people who are members basically try to strong arm other people that they know into joining csa and using the vouchers and whatnot Mm -hmm. and she was talking about being up in the northeast involved in a csa in the 90s and how it was a radically different experience it was significantly more and if this means anything to you like in a in a punk rock kind of sense like a diy full diy culture where like share members are showing up to the farm and unloading 50 pound bags of cabbage Mm -hmm. and they're like making arrangements for drop-offs it's more like a traditional old school cooperative where it's Mm -hmm. um like like what good foods was a number of years ago and other you know cooperatives are out in the the northwest and other places now where it's this much more intensively socially integrated thing Mm -hmm. as opposed to a mediated transaction at a different time of year Again, that's not a cr- criticism of this thing. I still participate in it. I think it's really good. It's a really good uh, way of, of engaging. But, you know, the to, to feel like you really have a share in something in a tangible way, having a little what's the skin in the game or some other metaphor is an important distinction. And it's something yeah. that we... Want to want to discuss I, sometimes. I didn't
0: even uh, to be f- completely transparent. I didn't know that. I mean, I run a flower CSA, so it's a little different. But I've worked with a lot of CSAs, and they've always been, you know, maybe they support a little bit. You know, they come out and there's like a community meal, but it's not mm-hmm. even. It's it's more of a the client is is taking from the farm, giving all their money up front. And I I didn't think I ever even realized that that's kind of where it came from, and has given me like a hundred ideas. Sure. It's in very instant moment like because I think that people want to get connected I and mean, we yeah. saw that during the pandemic that people want to have more of a connection to their food and maybe they don't have time and maybe it's just like not what it necessarily used to be. But I think that there's even a, like almost like a marketing opportunity there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just yeah. like a hundred things have just happened in my brain.
2: <laughs> sure. The first csa that i worked on which this was like mid 2000s 2007 something like that in north georgia was relatively small like uh it was like 35 to 40 shares, something like that and it was a very much like you get what you get but it also had a requirement that two days out of the season which it did it did split the season into two different shares right there was like a like a spring greens and like a fruits of the, or like, you know, uh, summer, the rest, the the bigger chunk was the summer. And when you signed up for a share, you had to pick two days that you would come out on special days where Mm -hmm. members could come out and be expected to come out (laughs) to partake or assist in the harvest since that's like the biggest, you know, labor sink or whatever. So working in that every one of the two harvest days a week is when you would see like, shareholders kind of show up and help out and it was pretty tight knit. It was also very easy for distribution. It was like we had a cooler and we Mm -hmm. loaded X boxes into it and they came and picked it up over the course of like the day. (laughs) And that was that.
4: This past year I was a part of uh, an herbal CSA. I think I've mentioned it before, but it was, it's a collaboration between among the Oaks and Sylvatica Mm -hmm. um, forest farm And they do, like, you know, it's, like, some teas, but also some, like, herbal, like, hydrosols and other kinds of, like, herbal medicinal products. Um, Mm -hmm. Super cool. But how they did it was, like, it was a quarterly um, CSA box. And and each quarter, you had an event associated with the pickup. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, they would email us being, like, you know, we have this event on Saturday. Don't forget. Also you know, we're harvesting hibiscus and that's like extremely labor intensive. If you've never done it before, it's insane. You have to like hand pick, I mean, thousands of tiny little buds, you know? And uh, so if you want, like come out an hour early and just like hang out and chat and cut some hibiscus, you know, which was really cool. So it's kind of like a bridge between those two, you know, like they're providing the service we're taking, ball. So like, you know, providing the opportunity for people to help out, which was cool.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people seem to really enjoy I mean you know it's not like they had to be there every harvest day they picked those two days and it would tend to be days that had you know pretty killer weather but they would be out there and being a part of it right and they always seemed very appreciative of that time like it forced them to take a break from their daily kind of a lot of them were office or indoor workers right and they would mm-hmm. get to spend like a nice like kind of chill morning on the farm or whatever and they it seemed to add a lot of value. Like it was definitely more yeah. for them because we would kind of have to be prepared to like take people and kind of, you know, be with them while they're harvesting and kind of give them a little direction if they didn't know what was going on.
0: Yeah. I like, it gives it value. They're like, Oh man, you do this every day. Like it's <laughs> totally. not just you all playing, you know, in the field.
2: Right. Right. So, yeah. They're not like, Oh, I could get a bigger tomato at the grocery store. Instead of yeah. like, Oh, Right. <laughs> Somebody had to go out and pick this.
0: <laughs> yeah, gives gives some connection well, to that. Well,
3: despite Maya and Josh's lamenting the for <laughs> the, the betrayal, the <laughs> radical roots of CSA and the transgressive <laughs> the destruction of culture. Grew around it, <laughs> CSA has, for for a lot of better and probably some worse, gone much more mainstream than it yeah. ever was in the past. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, the, the punk rock DIY vibe partially thrives on uh, exclusivity and and nicheness. And so the idea of opening it up to more people has been really, really cool. And I, 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 part of that, I think, has been some of these events and things that have, have shown this level of support from state and federal partners that was, I mean, just frankly, wasn't there before. It was too weird or it was too niche or whatever. Now seeing this, especially for small farm places like Kentucky with a lot of small farms, it's a really considerable portion of the income of some of the farms that we work with. And it's a, mm-hmm. a model that works for them. Totally. There are a couple, Emily's been working with with those, some of those partners to kind of rep the UKCCD side on, on some of these events that are coming up. And so, Emily, what's there's a month and there's a week. That's about all I have on my notes here.
4: Yeah, so, you know it's, you know, we've been talking about like all the crazy variety of innovations that has been going on uh, with CSAs. So the CCD, the Center for Crop Diversification that um, Brett, Josh, and I work for is a part of this national CSA innovation network, where it's a group of like, I don't know, maybe 10 to 15 different farmers and technical assistance organizations, kind of working on these like issues surrounding CSAs that you know, our local issues, but shared across the whole nation, you know, and just kind of thinking through, you know, how do we reach more customers? How do we help farmers, you know, market their products better, all different kinds of things. And something that came out of the CSA Innovation Network was um, this like national CSA week that happened it's actually happening early and earlier every year, which is cool. So when it originally started out, I think it was like the end of March. And this year it's going from February 19th to the 25th. And it's, you know, I think it's getting earlier because people are willing to sign up earlier for CSAs, mm-hmm. even though they're not getting their products until later. Um, people are excited and kind of want to get in, you know, get their foot in the door and that kind of stuff. But really what these are, like Brett was saying, is like this cool, like coordinated marketing effort. So it's like, a you know, hundreds of farms across the country coming together to like spread the message of like what CSA is, you know, why CSA is great for small farms in particular. Also really good for people who are interested in consuming local food and that kind of stuff. So yeah, if you're a farmer out there interested in, you know, kind of like learning more about what CSA is and or maybe you have a CSA and you're not really sure how to market it, these kinds of like big national and statewide campaigns can be like a really cool opportunity to, you know, just kind of hop on there and like use these resources that were developed by people who have been doing research in this field for, you know, decades now. Mm -hmm. So I can go into the, the national CSA week a little bit more about like what it means to participate in it. So You can just sign up. If you're a CSA farmer, you can sign up. It's totally free. Um, You just go to the CSA Innovation Network website. And as a part of it, you'll get added to their map. So people can search by state, you know, all CSAs that are participating in this, and then they can Mm -hmm. kind of find you, find your farm. And then also you'll get this really extensive media package that's completely customizable. You know, you can download it to your computer, change out the photos, change out any text you want. Um, But it just has these like coordinated messages about like, you know, the benefits of CSAs and just kind of like some cool photo and caption ideas for you, some promotional emails, you know, that you can send out to your own customers. Like we already have the template ready for you and that kind of stuff. Um, Just kind of making it, you know, really easy for you to just, put out an entire, you know, week or even multiple weeks worth of stuff on your site to get people interested in your CSA, which is cool.
3: And just, just something to draw a line to other cultural, uh, artifacts. If you are familiar with the phrase got milk or where's the beef, (laughs) or if you're familiar with Stephen Colbert's pistachio ads, if you're not, I'm sorry to bring that into your world, but, um. (laughs) But that type of coordinated, this this pistachio ads, not really, but the other two backed by a different kind of federal funding uh, and and grower funding, but it has a real impact when you can get that kind of coordinated effort together. And so to see that at a national scale for CSA is like remarkable and and really like applaudable or or, or whatever, like it's, it's really cool, coordinated effort by a relatively small group of, of talented, dedicated people. And so, yeah, huge, huge shout out to that. Cause I think that is awesome. And, um, I know we've, we've participated and supported And um, a couple of years ago, a team of folks went up on some SARE funding to visit with the, the fair share coalition and some other groups and some of the people involved in the CSA, uh, innovation network. And it's, yeah, it's just been really cool to see that growth and that also coming along of of organizations and funding to support it has been really neat.
4: Yeah, and you know, Kentucky has kind of like adapted this national CSA week in, into our own CSA week which happens in March, and uh, March 4th to the 8th this year. And it's this collaboration between the Kentucky Department of Agriculture, Oak the Organic Association of Kentucky, the food connection here at UK, um, the Kentucky Horticulture Council, and um, the Center for Crop Diversification, us, and really, and it's it's kind of similar in that you know we have a couple different templates and stuff that we send out to participating farms. But really, what it is is using the media connections that all of these organizations have to promote the CSA farms that are participating. So they're all Kentucky proud CSA farms, and they'll be shared out on all of our you know, social media channels and stuff, which, you know, is re- reaching tens of thousands of people between all of those organizations. You know, so it's a little bit different where it's like kind of these huge networks of organizations kind of, you know, taking the time to promote these farms that are participating. And, uh, but I mean, you know, it's been, it's been a really cool thing the past couple of years to see that grow too. Jo- Josh, reminder, I right? Oops, sorry. sorry, I was going to say as a reminder,
0: this is, veggie but it's also meats and flour and herbal like mm-hmm. they've really yeah. opened it up to anybody who's doing value, value a type of products. CSA yeah
3: cool Josh is there is my correct in saying there's a way to find some CSAs on a map somewhere or no
2: well emily brought up that one um but uh there used to be one that was a uh, local harvest and it's still functional i don't know how routinely it's updated i think it's localharvest.org that used to be what I used like a decade plus ago, um, and I yeah. did the site still loads and has uh, CSAs, but they they there might be some out of date listed there if you look. Oh, and you mentioned there's nearby. one on
3: the KDA site. That's the one that you mentioned, right? Yeah, uh, yeah That's that's
2: one Emily mentioned. Yeah,
3: okay, sorry about that.
2: That one I would assume is more like up to date. The local harvest one is kind of nationwide. Yeah.
0: This CSA Innovation Network. Not gonna lie, first time I've been on this website. But it looks really awesome. So if you're looking, if you're a farmer who's maybe thinking about CSA, but it feels really overwhelming, this has some really cool, like, short videos and interests, like, about planning the details and how to manage customer expectations. So csainnovationnetwork.org. And there's a UK logo on there. So. Uh, we can we can advertise, nice. it, but, right? Like <laughs> rock on right
2: there.
0: But yeah, there's some really wildly cool ones. Branded. Like scrolling I mean, through.
3: through. <laughs> That's our tagline: "is wildly possible." But it, you know, I riffed uh, on it. <laughs> I, I have a couple other thoughts about people, maybe producers who might be interested. Yeah. So one is we do have a, a publication that Tiffany Thompson, who was the oh, uh, yeah. manager of the. UK CSA for a number of years uh, wrote called CSA economic analysis. That's a publication available through the university of Kentucky. It's one of the best economic considerations of CSA. It, it goes through a lot of different um, of the budget items. It's a couple of years old now. So some of the input costs might be higher as we've covered in, in past episodes, but it is a really good, if you just Google CSA economic analysis, UKY, it should come up as a first result. Another, another thing, and I'll maybe get your all's thoughts on this. If someone's starting out in, in growing stuff, you know, if we have a hort biz quiz, whatever, respondent who is filling this out, a CSA is not where I would start in growing vegetables. Ew. And there's a number of reasons why. So you all, yeah, I'm seeing the Horror on all of your faces. Uh, <laughs> why? Why would you say like what would be some of the reasons why? Why CSA is better left to the more seasoned grower? Uh,
0: you you gotta deliver like even even though they're in in it with you and if you have a failure of a crop, you still gotta deliver something. And so and you can't keep delivering yellow squash every week, right? Like as the o- like only thing. If your tomatoes die, you know, unless hey, you're doing. Robbie. Yeah, and kohlrabi. Unless you're doing – the only exception I would say is uh, like a, a winter or a fall CSA, but those people are usually really up front. I did a winter CSA this year, which was awesome, but they were up front. Like, and you know in the winter, you're going to get greens. So you can expect salad mix every single <laughs> week. Right. You know, you're not getting tomatoes. You're getting those root crops and things like that. So – That aside, you got to deliver and you got to deliver a variety of things. And so I would say if you're a relatively new grower, maybe join up with someone else. So one thing we haven't mentioned, but is something that I think is starting to become a little more popular is kind of this idea of a multi-farmer CSA. Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, So
0: I've uh, worked with one here as at my extension office, but, you know, I've had people who have high tunnels, so they're really good and they're really good at growing, you know, tomatoes and some of those like specialty high tunnel crops that just do really well there. And then other people who are growing outdoors or maybe they do mushrooms or flowers or whatever that is. And so they've joined up with these people and they say, Farmer A, you're going to bring all the tomatoes and all the cucumbers and Farmer B is going to bring the watermelon and the potatoes or something like that. And so that can be kind of a good way to get started as well. If your attention to detail is there, but you got to deliver and you got to deliver a good product or else they're not going to come back and they're going to tell all their friends not to sign up. So,
2: yeah, you definitely want to know what you are doing before you get into it. And my advice for somebody, you know, who feels confident in their ability would be to start small, you know, start with like a very tiny group of people. Who are committed to this idea. Start with your
0: mom's friends. like Exactly.
2: Like people, <laughs> you know, immediately like short term and make it just kind of like a little side project, aim small, kind of miss small or mm-hmm. uh, really targeted, you know, like definitely if you're growing vegetables, the diversity is a big key. But if it's say some like an egg share or something like that, you could get mm-hmm. away with being pretty like narrowly defined.
4: hmm. Yeah. My sister and I are starting a farm business this year and, you know, we've been growing like for ourselves and for family members for years. But kind of our goal this year is just extremely small. You know, essentially we just want to start out with a goal maybe like in three years doing like a full-blown CSA. Mm -hmm. But this year – kind of doing like month long trials, you know, mm-hmm. of just like five people maybe. So we can kind of get like the flow and the cadence down and like understanding yeah. like what does it totally. even mean to like get all this together every week, you know, and like mm-hmm. make sure our, our planting schedules are good and that kind of stuff. And, you know, just like really taking a lot of notes on those kinds of trials and see how they go.
2: Yeah, oh. I've known a, a handful of people that have, you know, they transitioned from being a market grower to like, a five or six share CSA and it, you know, it went really well for them and they weren't Mm -hmm. like wildly stressed out, right? Mm -hmm. That's the goal. Yeah, And the same is
0: true, veggies versus, you know, flowers. I know a lot of flower farmers who do once a month type of things where, you know, they really only have to rally for that one week. Right. You know, maybe they expand their reach and they deliver to other places because they're only driving there once a month. So they don't have, you know, to be on a crazy route every single week. But also, you know, sometimes there are things that are super fast. Like we know that lettuce mix in the spring you know, can bolt really quickly or broccoli or whatever. So you may only do that, like Emily said, that one month or six week CSA um, of peonies or something that are really fast uh, turnaround and you just have your peony CSA or your cruciferous CSA or whatever. And that's okay. (laughs) It's all about marketing. You don't have to pull out that 20, 26 week CSA from the get go. Uh, And a lot Mm -hmm. of people find that a little bit more, they're new to CSA, a a little bit more tangible for them as well because they're like, it's not 26 weeks of me having to make sure I'm there picking stuff up. They can kind of dabble and you can charge a little bit more per week in my opinion. Um, But that's a whole nother story.
4: (laughs) Yeah. And they, you know, last year I got a, um, it was one of those month, you know, once a month Mm -hmm. flower CSAs, I got it as like a birthday gift for my for my sister, you know, and it was like Mm -hmm. six months. I think, I think, and yeah, so it's like a totally different like marketing tactic, uh, but really cool.
3: Usain Bolt would be a terrible lettuce variety name. Mm. (laughs) Yes, so fast. (laughs) That transition to a follow up question that I have for you all to pick your brains. Um, So we said it's not necessarily for every producer. I, you know, again, I'm just working to get myself canceled by saying I don't particularly love going to farmer's markets as a shopper. But <laughs> I'll also say I, I don't think that CSA is right for all consumers necessarily, mm-hmm. um, for all customers, for all community members. I think for a number of reasons, there are ways that and that's that's why we have other markets and mm-hmm. other ways of accessing things is because not everybody is, wants to get it the exact same way. What would you all say are some of the? I'll put it in a different way. Besides the things that would disqualify, what what are you for you all? Some of like the learning curves associated with being a CSA member. If for someone who's maybe not fully on board with, yes, let's figure out a way to cook fresh vegetables every night for dinner. What what (laughs) any thoughts about that?
0: Uh, Anybody in your family who's a picky eater, whether it's you or you've got kids who won't eat something. Um, Not only do you have to figure out how to cook kohlrabi, which I can give you some great recipes, hit me up, but you got to have them eat it. And if people aren't eating what you're putting in front of them, that can be really irritating.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and just uh, just learning how to deal with fresh stuff. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. not always a given. I mean, there's lettuce that dies in my crisper drawer every single week. And it's sad. It's my emotional support lettuce, Alexis. Uh, You know, I pull it out and it's brown and soggy, but just learning how to deal with that stuff and how to deal with it in a timely fashion so that you minimize waste on the consumer end. That's a big thing that our family and consumer sciences agent on a county level is always working with people. And she helps me out some, but it's amazing how many people get involved in a CSA. And they, in some cases, even brought the stuff at the office because they said, we don't know how to deal with this stuff. So yeah, I guess we can't take that advantage, you know, for granted that uh, everyone is equipped to deal with uh, a regular supply of fresh stuff that they have to break down and do something with. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'd I'd say that's like probably the big litmus test is like, do you like trying to figure out what to do with produce? If it's a produce CSA and are you comfortable working with things that you haven't worked with before in the kitchen? Mm -hmm. And do you have people in your household that will eat your mistakes yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> or willing to yeah, cover up for your mistakes. And I think that's where I really kind of miss the community portion of uh, community supported ag. That was one of the things back in the late 90s. I'm telling on my age a little bit and how long I've been extension, but uh, mid to late 90s. You know, it seems like there was a lot more activities. Maybe there still are in certain operations, but there was a lot of effort that went into not only on-farm, like dinners and and community events to cultivate community, but there was also classes on recipes on how to cook every single thing, you know, that they may be getting in their CSA share. There was a lot more Mm -hmm. of that going on when the community was a bigger component of community supported agriculture. Uh, So I kind of missed
2: that component. Sure and that's something that's nice about I mean when you get that group of people who are then having to work with kind of the same or similar vegetables throughout the year and you have those like potluck events where people gather, there's a lot of animated exchange and you know community teaching of each other of like this is what we did with that and it was awesome mm-hmm. recipe sharing and all that.
4: yeah and if if you happen to be a CSA farmer out there that's feeling stressed out about finding customers you know to buy your CSAs now, There are several organizations like, you know, I know the NEP program at UK and also Oak put out some really awesome free recipe cards Mm -hmm. for farmers that you you can just go pick up from them and put in your CSA shares, you know, it's like, let's say, you know, that you're going to have cucumbers or whatever, kohlrabi or something, they have (laughs) recipe cards, you know, for like Mm -hmm. really awesome, delicious things that, you know, you can just kind of throw in your bag, kind of helpful. Yeah,
0: we'll uh, put that in the show notes—a link to where you can find all those because there are tons of them, and they are—they have like nutritional information on them as well as like a recipe. Uh, so we'll put that in the show notes. But if you want the actual, and you know, if you're sent the kind of CSA, a lot of them send e- weekly emails. Hey, if this is what's in your box. You can put a link uh, to that, oh. or if you want physical ones, your extension office. Every extension op- man, listen, my storage room <laughs> is full. Full of recipe cards. And uh, I promise you, your uh, local extension office would love nothing more for you to show up and be like, can I have 20 of a cucumber recipe, 20 recipe cards? They will hand you a whole box. Be prepared. Uh, But please go help them out and and sharing that. But we'll we'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's such a great uh, point, Emily. Thank you.
2: There was uh, kind of to that end, like that CSA that I worked at in North Georgia, they were also associated with like a farm to table place. And that was the other distribution site was in town. You know, they had some storage space in the the walk in or whatever. And one of the things they would do because they were so closely linked is they would have uh, a dish that they would then provide the recipe for out of the stuff that would come in the box on a given week. I mean, it was like marketing genius. Right. Yeah,
4: that's awesome.
3: Yeah, i think that a lot for a lot of producers csa is is one part of their marketing mix mm-hmm. and in many cases you'll hear that they'll, they'll prioritize csa first so the csa folks get the highest quality they if there's a shortage they get it first etc but there are a lot of folks who, who kind of market in multiple different locations because they want to meet reach different customer bases and another part of that earlier the discussion of like uh starting small is that if you start in other market channels it gives you a chance to build your brand a little bit so when you go to try to recruit people into your csa that you have some it's not you're not saying i've never done this before but please give me your money up front to to do this it can, can be a helpful part of that yeah and i i think csa is for a lot more people than maybe realize it and especially mm-hmm. with a lot of the adaptations that have been made but i do think you know at any given point we're going to have a lot of folks who who prefer to get their vegetables one way or prefer to get their food one way, and the the ways that the ways that the the promotion of this to larger audiences and the adaptability of the producers has been really positive, I think, for expanding expanding access and expanding uh, visibility of a really cool cool market channel. So there's the is Kentu- is it Kentucky Proud Week or is it month or is it what's the?
4: Yeah, it's Kentucky Proud Week. I think it used to be. A month-long promotional okay. thing and now it's just condensed into one week cool yeah and it's um march 4th through 8th so if you're a csa farm the date to sign up will have already passed by the time this episode airs but still you know worth getting on to there's a CSA in Kentucky Facebook page um, that anyone can be a part of. And it's, you know, a really good way to get inspiration for ways to market your CSA and kind of see what other farms in the state are doing with theirs. And yeah, and and that one. Yeah. And
0: beginning of March. And if you're in Kentucky and you are farming anything, sign up to be Kentucky proud. It's cheap, or it's not. And by cheap, I mean it's free and it's easy. <laughs> that's that's kind of
2: cheap, man. <laughs> i <remember her. laughs>
0: It's it's really easy to sign up. I mean, you can get signed up in you know. It takes 15 minutes to fill fill out, uh, and every year you just once you fill it out once every year they go everything's still good and you go yeah or you add in your changes. It's really easy, and it it allows you to have access to a lot of like grant funding and things along those lines. So uh, I always tell people there's no reason not to be Kentucky proud, uh, and they do help market you. So it's you know kind of a free free marketing there's just a lot of things involved whether you're doing csa or they even have a kentucky proud wedding vendors uh section so they've really opened it up um to a lot of different style of farms and agritourism and things along those lines so a big shout out and we're really uh, proud of kentucky proud
3: can you rent like a Tux with like Kentucky proud logos all over it? Like-
0: <laughs> you can probably get a pop grant for that. So, yeah, yeah, it's
1: on Etsy. Just look. Make I bet. I <laughs> bet.
0: About Josh would uh, allow some promotional funding for that. So. Okay.
4: <laughs> Makes perfect sense. If
0: he's listening, he just cringed. So, <laughs> 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 awesome. Well. Yeah, I think I think that's awesome. We'll kind of close this out, but Emily, remind—I know you've said a couple of the dates a couple times, but just to round out the episode, remind us of kind of those CSA dates.
4: Yeah, so the National CSA Week, the one that you know you get like the huge array of different media coming in like a, a media package to you, is from February nineteenth to twenty fifth, and there's no deadline to sign up for that one. So if you're a CSA farmer, um, you can sign up today and get the package immediately in your inbox, which is really cool. And then for the Kentucky Proud CSA week, that one is March 4th through the 8th.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Any last uh, words from bald boys and our uh, Ray about CSAs?
1: It's good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
3: I I really appreciate you coming and and sharing stuff with us and being so involved with the, the, it's good to have a CCD uh, team team person involved with that that uh, important mm-hmm. promotional work. And yeah, just once again, so glad to have you on the pod.
0: We love yeah, you. I appreciate
4: Emily.
0: it. Thank love you. you guys. Happy to be here. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, remember, you can always shoot us an email at Podcast at edu. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram and shoot us a DM if you have any ideas or thoughts or you're just wanting to send uh, some well wishes and you want to tell us how awesome Emily is and that you want her back on all the time, you could totally do that. Hort Culture Podcast is our uh, handle there. We'd also love it if you left us a review, if you are enjoying your time. It helps other people find us. So it just is really uh, sharing the love there. So we appreciate you being here today and we hope that as we grow this podcast, you will grow with us and join us next week. Have a good one.